You're listening to Sex Gets Real with Dawn Sarah. That's me. This is a place where we explore sex, bodies, and relationships from a place of curiosity and inclusion, tying the personal to the cultural, where you're just as likely to hear tender questions about shame and the complexities of love as you are to hear experts challenging the dominant stories around pleasure, body politics, and liberation. This is about the big and the small, about sex and everything surrounding it we don't usually name. The funny, the awkward, the imperfect happen here in service to joy, connection, healing, and creating healthier relationships with ourselves and each other. So welcome to Sex Gets Real. Don't forget to hit subscribe. Hey you, welcome to this week's episode of Sex Gets Real. This week I am chatting with Sarah Thompson, who is an eating disorder recovery coach, consultant, and writer focused on body liberation, fat liberation, and body positivity. You'll hear more about Sarah in just a little bit. I am actually really excited because not only is next week my 40th birthday, but I will be celebrating it in Portland at the Association for Size, Diversity, and Health Conference, where I am going to get to hang out with some really ridiculously rad folks. It's going to be so much fun. Uh, And coincidentally, the episode that goes up next week is my chat with Virgie Tovar about her new book, You Have the Right to Remain Fat. So uh, yeah, this week and next week are all about body positivity and body trust and self-acceptance. And it's perfect timing because the ASDA conference is going to give me so much to think about. I am presenting there, uh, talking about bodies and pleasure and sex. So that should be super fun. I also wanted to let you know that you hear me every week plugging the Patreon support that you can offer to the show. So if you want to help the show keep going and uh, you want to just throw a couple bucks my way, I always appreciate that. If you support at the $3 level and above, you get access to bonus content every week that only exists on Patreon for folks who support at $3 and above. But what you may not know is if you support at $5 and above, you get to help me field listener questions. So I put listener questions up and then you get to weigh in with your thoughts and advice. And if I think it's great advice, if I think it's well thought out, then you could potentially be on the show as a guest expert helping me to answer these questions. So We're going to do two listener questions with some advice that came from you, Patreon supporters at the $5 level and above, and then we will jump into my conversation with Sarah, all about pleasure and body trust. Uh, And then we have, of course, Patreon bonus content about uh, the ways that Sarah's eating disorder and diet culture really made it difficult for Sarah to realize that they were non-binary. So we'll be talking about the ways that body politics and identity kind of play together. So let's start with this question that I got from Steve. Now, Steve wrote into me with the following. 
The subject line was tender, toxic masculinity. I swear, if I hear another female-led discussion about how men should behave or how we should be raised, I'm going to cry. How would you feel if men were constantly holding discussions in public media on how women should shape their behavior or how women should be raised in order to promote a better society? Please don't presume. Now, when Steve's email came in, I just happened to be sitting at my computer at that moment. (laughs) And I had just had a conversation about that very thing with someone in my life. So I immediately replied to Steve with, Hey, Steve, I get where you're coming from. And yet every movie, book, advertisement, religion, an act of gendered and sexual violence is telling women how to behave, all of which were and are largely created by funded by and supported by men. That's how our culture is set up. So if the conversations bother you about masculinity, I wonder, are you actively fighting against the ways women are policed and told to behave? If you aren't calling out the dudes in your life who comment on how women look, act, and exist, if you aren't taking action against gendered violence, then you're participating in the very thing you emailed me about. And I'm not being an ass. I'm being genuine and real. This is how our world is set up. We're trying to find a way to stop dying, to stop being raped, to stop being beat, to stop being treated like second-class citizens. And the only way to do that is to talk about it. When men stop causing 98% of the violence in the world, then the folks who suffer at the hands of that violence will probably stop talking about what needs to change. But until that happens, we will attempt to find ways to survive by raising better boys and men and by shifting the culture of toxic masculinity because it kills us literally. So then I asked Patreon supporters, what else would you add? What kind of conversations around masculinity and gender would you like us to amplify and make even louder? Who should we center? So Steph responded, Dawn, I agree with you on this one. I was shocked at the lack of empathy displayed by Steve. I often want to cry because of the public expectations placed on my womanhood. I don't think I have anything further to add, except we've listened to the masculine voice for so long and we aren't getting where we need to be. So centering the voices of those who are wronged is a great place to start. Equality feels like oppression to those with privilege. That seems to be at work in this case. Thank you so much for that comment, Steph. Uh, I appreciate you sharing your thoughts and feelings about Steve's email, uh, and I'm sure other listeners will have thoughts. So feel free if you support uh, the show at patreon.com slash sexgetsreal at $5 and above. You can add your comments and questions to any of the previous listener questions. I'm happy to bring them back up and share additional thoughts and to extend the conversation. Speaking of which, I got another listener email. And uh, there was a really incredibly thoughtful response to this one from a supporter. So Will wrote in, And it says, role play sex. I'm a 74-year-old male, married with four adult kids. I love your show. It has opened me to so much that I haven't been aware of. My wife and I have rare sex. Sex has caused her pain. I have ED and often fail to ejaculate. I started playing an online golf game. I play golf in real life, so it was a diversion. 
Then I discovered a world of virtual sex there. I pose as a female in her 20s who is a lesbian and sexually active. During the game, we can chat and describe what we do to the other. I can play it for hours, both getting better at the golf game and at the sex text. My wife is amazed at how much time I spend with a juvenile golf game. I don't masturbate while playing. I simply enjoy the sexual fantasies. I found your podcast when I was searching for information on lesbians. I imagine a lot of the girls in the game are guys also. So my question is, should I let my wife know what I'm doing? I really see nothing wrong with it, but I'm concerned she will. What's your opinion? Am I misleading her if I don't tell her? If I do, how might I approach it? So I opened this up for comments and Leviathan offered the following, which I thought was incredibly thoughtful. Listener, thank you for sharing. Your role play sounds super fun, and I completely understand the relief and entertainment that you find engaging in sexual chat online. The part in your message where you say, I see nothing wrong with it, but I'm concerned she will, contains your answer. Nobody outside of your relationship can tell you what is and isn't okay within the boundaries of it or help you justify your actions within it. Only you and your wife can decide that together. And it sounds like you have a good idea already that she wouldn't like your behavior. Your secrecy then is all about fear of hurting her. And in addition to that, because of your wife's potential response, you being concerned that you won't get to do something that you enjoy which is understandable. We don't want to hurt the people we love. And certainly a part of you gets that even though sex is painful for her, that doesn't necessarily mean she doesn't miss the intimacy that comes with it. Nor does that mean that she would find it okay for you to find that gratification from others, but willingly avoiding tough conversations is hurtful too, because it keeps you from finding solutions together and helping your relationship grow. And imagine if you find yourself longing to indulge in sexual fantasies and mutual connections, don't you imagine she might have some of the same impulses? Ultimately, the decision is yours. Do you consider it unethical to keep a secret from your wife that you know she'd want to hear? And conversely, put yourself in her position. If she was doing something that she knew you would be uncomfortable with, would you want her to tell you? If you're going to approach it, consider the four-part apology-free apology. One, acknowledge what you have done, including the sexual aspect of it. Don't try to play it off. Two, acknowledge the impact of your actions. If you know this is or could be hurtful to her, say so. Parts three and four concern making agreements about different, healthier behaviors in the future, but this might depend on your wife's response and the resulting conversation. It's of course okay to make your needs known if you have them connection with others, intimacy, sexual release, entertainment, and to pursue meeting those needs in whatever way makes sense to you. But if you want to continue to have a healthy and equitable relationship with your wife, this will mean there might need to be some co-negotiation about what you're both okay with. Wow. Yes. Thank you so much to Leviathan for that incredibly well-written and thoughtful response to Will's question about the online role play. I actually don't have much to add because that was exactly where I was going to go with my response, that you're allowed to have these things that feel yummy and good and curious. You're allowed to explore your sexual fantasies. And if you're doing it in a way that is keeping secrets, 
that might lead to your partner being really hurt if they discovered it or feeling betrayed, you probably need to have that conversation sooner than later because there's so many potential creative solutions. It might seem really black and white when we're in the moment. It might seem like either I do this and keep the secret or I tell her she blows up and it goes away, but there's a thousand other options. So many different ways to explore those sexual fantasies, to connect with people, to collaborate with your wife. And the only way you do that is by having those open conversations and by inviting the co-creation and the negotiation that Leviathan mentioned. So, Will, I think you know the answer already. Even though you don't think there's something wrong with it, you seem to understand that your wife might be upset by it. And Leviathan had so many incredible points about different ways that you can approach it, different reasons why she might be feeling the way she's feeling, and even new ways to move forward together. So I hope you're able to find a way to broach the conversation with your wife in a way that feels really spacious and generous and open so that the two of you can talk about what comes next. Maybe she won't mind at all, but she just wants to know that this is an important part of your life. Or maybe she does mind. And now there's some new ways that you can move forward with other types of sexual fantasies or online erotica. Thank you so much for listening, Will. I wish you the very best. And I also thank you, Leviathan, for offering such an incredibly thoughtful response. You took the words right out of my mouth, and it was such a pleasure to get to share that. So listeners, if you head to patreon.com slash sex gets real, $3 and above gets you that extra bonus content every single week, and $5 and above gets you a chance to weigh in and be a potential sexpert on the show with your own thoughts, responses, and feelings to so many of the questions that I field each and every week. So let me tell you a little bit about Sarah Thompson, who is the guest this week, and then we will dive into our chat. So as I mentioned at the beginning, Sarah Thompson is an eating disorder recovery coach, consultant, and writer focused on body liberation, fat liberation, and body positivity. Sarah is a white, fat, queer, non-binary femme. Their writing combines ideas from a wide range of philosophies body trust, health at every size, intuitive eating, fat liberation, eating disorder recovery, harm reduction, and more. Being committed to helping others finding more freedom and compassion in their lives is what led them to become a certified body trust provider. They were also the co-creator of Do No Harm podcast. Sarah is constantly wondering how they can contribute to healing, justice, and liberation in our world where there is constant suffering. They love working with people who are asking these same questions. So here is my chat with Sarah. Welcome to Sex Gets Real, Sarah. I cannot wait to talk to you about body trust and queer bodies and all the things. (laughs) So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here and to be able to talk to you about all the things. I have been following your work and your posts for quite a while because you're heavily involved in body trust and uh, diet culture work and fat acceptance. And uh, what actually got us to, to like really connect for the podcast was you just recently put out a blog post on a topic that I get listener questions from somewhat frequently around fat bodies and attraction in relationships. So mm-hmm. we'll definitely go there today, but I would love it if we could just start uh, with 
listeners heard me talk a little bit about my experience at the Be Nourished Body Trust program. But for people who are new, can you tell us just a little bit about what Body Trust is? Body Trust is very different from anything that I had ever learned before, Body Trust. It offers us a different paradigm to operate in than our weight-centric weight equals health equals worthiness equals morality (laughs) paradigm that diet culture has infused into all of our lives. Also offers us a way to reconnect with our bodies in ways that have often been disrupted because of diet culture and maybe for other reasons. It's full of like self-compassion. It's full of um, really trusting that you know your body mm-hmm. and maybe if you haven't known your body that you can get to know your body and be able to somehow get to a place of respecting your body um, and maybe even eventually befriending your body and being able to treat your body in a neutral way when it comes to taking care of yourself. Mm-hmm. I love how you call it a new paradigm, which <laughs> one, we desperately need. Mm-hmm. And Two, you know, it is, it's, it's a total shift. And I think that's what a lot of people get so uncomfortable around is like, Mm -hmm. you know, when we're talking about things like fat liberation and rejecting diet culture and specifically body trust, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're not talking about like the three things you need to do to love your body (laughs) forever. There's not a prescription. There's not a plan. There's not a guarantee. There is not that quick fix magic pill that diet culture has trained us to look for. And Mm -hmm. so I think that kind of nebulous, like, well, what do you mean? It's like an experience (laughs) and I have to kind of unlearn these stories. That's I think really scary for a lot of people. It is really scary and uncomfortable (laughs) and really gray and like you said, the opposite of what we've been learning and what we've been trying to hang on to. Yeah. So I guess, I guess part of body trust is getting, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yep. None of the the quick fixes or the three ways to love your body ever like duck or created actual Mm -mm. change in, how I interacted with my body. So it's a sort of a bummer that the answer is (laughs) get used to that. (laughs) Yeah. And there's freedom in that, right? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Like what if the answers really did just reside with inside of you and within your most loving, trusting relationships, you know, Mm -hmm. like what if it wasn't about all the things that were trying to be sold to you and forced upon you? And like, I think you're right because we are raised in a culture that doesn't teach us how to listen to ourselves and to Mm -hmm. like fundamentally trust that inner voice. It Mm -hmm. feels foreign and scary and overwhelming. And it is because it's hard because most other people aren't doing that either. But Mm -hmm. to start getting to that place, like Mm -hmm. what an incredible 
permission slip and also Mm -hmm. really truly what liberation is about of like, this is what my body wants and this is what my body needs. And I don't have to answer to anybody else except for me. Absolutely. Yeah. So as you've been doing this body trust work, one of the things that you had mentioned uh, was how much shifted for you around your experience of pleasure because of not only body trust, but also feminism and really kind of understanding patriarchy and some of these larger systems. And listeners know I've been talking about this a lot lately. And I think a lot of them are like, yeah, but this is a show about sex. And it's like, yes. (laughs) And we need to talk about these things because otherwise it's just putting a bandaid on an ever growing wound. Right. And so for you, what was that shift that you experienced? Like, what was your connection to pleasure before? And kind of what is your relationship to pleasure now that you've started doing and really embracing all of this work? Mm. There's so much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the big things that are sticking out right now are, I think that I was often just ex- Accepting that everything, it wasn't going to be easy, which meant that it was supposed to be hard. And somehow that translated into not getting to feel good. Mm. When I was so wrapped up in thinking that my size was wrong and that I, I have a hard time saying this because I'm about to say, I couldn't be sexy or I couldn't be attractive and I acted that way. Mm-hmm. Like I, I acted like I was attractive or sexy or confident, but it, I didn't know how to necessarily embody that and embody feels like a nebulous word. Um, and at the same time, There is a difference between acting like you're confident and taking up space, walking into a room as if you belong there, Mm -hmm. Uh, walking into a room as if you are completely deserving and worthy of love and affection. And not just from other people, but also from yourself. Mm -hmm. That was a huge shift. Like, there's lots of different ways to experience experience pleasure. I think that I would forget that I was allowed to have fun or that I could schedule fun into my life. Like, I was good at watching Netflix. I was good at sort of relaxing. But fun? (laughs) You know, I was in grad school. I had a part-time job while I was in grad school. I, you know, live by myself and take care of all of the things by myself and have generally always been a workaholic and had several jobs while I was going to school before or worked 70 hours at my job every week. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. that does not leave much time for pleasure. Nope. (laughs) Or to really decompress and enjoy your life. Yeah. Add on to that, then also every time I'm having some type of like physical intimacy, 
I'm constantly body checking. I'm yes. constantly wondering what the other person is thinking of my body. Back then, I was like, what's the bra that's going to make my boobs look the best? Mm-hmm. Um, I have to wear those heels because they make my lo- legs look hotter. Or doing the flattering clothing mm-hmm. because my body had to be flattering like I had to wear things that made me look better those take up energy and time and it's really hard to be in the moment be present be enjoying the physical intimacy that you have if you are constantly worried about how fat you look yes or the zits that you have in between your thighs, or like any number of things that might not be perfect on my skin, or, you know, Mm -hmm. discovering body trust and discovering how connected all of our ideas about beauty and size and health and all of these things are so connected to the foundation of our country, which is white supremacy and patriarchy Mm -hmm. and discovering that like all of this stuff, a lot of so much of it is one to make money and two to like uphold the places that people have privilege and uphold that as the standard. Yeah. And it's such a tiny portion of the population that actually is any of those things. Not to mention, beauty doesn't look one way. Right. (laughs) So all of this stuff interrupts the way that we relate to our bodies and the way that we be in our bodies. And being able to see it, call it out, recognize it in my life, and give myself permission to let go of whatever my weight was going to be and live my life where I'm at right now instead of in the very unknown future that will probably never get here. Mm-hmm. Whatever weight I thought I wanted to be, being able to let all of that go literally changed how I ex experienced pleasure and sex and physical intimacy. I went from somebody who often I enjoyed like cuddling and hugging and being touched and all of that stuff. But there was always, it was always, it was still, it was still uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And so it ended up not being like, super enjoyable for very long and I would always end up with this feeling of like okay now you have to get away from me yeah. <laughs> and I'm I, I can't say that any of this stuff is like not crept back in or isn't sometimes still a struggle and now it's like I have sex with the lights on mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. and I don't really even remember that they are on. I had a partner one time thank me for keeping the lights on. And I'm like, you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Because I hadn't really like even given it a second thought then. 
Whereas before, you know, it was like, let's leave one lamp on by the bed. Right. Uh, (laughs) That's the most flattering light. (laughs) (laughs) I can say what I want. And I can say what feels good. And I can say what doesn't feel good. And I am probably way more open about what that looks like now. Yeah. You know, all of this also has that extra layer of um, just there's so many layers of um, being raised in a very evangelical Christian religion and especially physical intimacy or sexual intimacy uh, that like it was (laughs) it was just not a thing. Yeah. It was just all, I very much felt like I couldn't appear sexual. I couldn't have sexual feelings. I was wrong if I did. Masturbating was wrong. Let's not talk about that. You were just supposed to be good with not having sex till you were married. The end. Mm -hmm. I can only imagine how much shame and how uncomfortable all of that was to also like unravel and how much that also reinforced all of the patriarchal views about sex and boundaries and pleasure that we have. Yeah. God, when I think back on the ways that I would like, I I had to have these certain types of lingerie on because Mm -hmm. I didn't feel comfortable being naked and the lights had to be off or the sheets had to be just so Mm -hmm. because my tummy was unviewable. And, um, you know, yeah, like just those little body checks that happen, you know, that I mean, how many, how many times that I get pulled out of the moment because I noticed the way that my tummy looked in that moment or the way that my boobs were swinging in different, you know, rates because they were different sizes or, you know, I mean, it was just like (laughs) all of these things that didn't allow me to actually experience the sensations that were happening. And, and I also think too, about, you were talking about how all of these things interrupt the ways that we're that we could be in our bodies. Mm-hmm. And it also just makes me think like, you know, for people who are in fat bodies or disabled bodies or bodies mm-hmm. who have experienced other kinds of trauma because of the world we live in, you know, mm-hmm. like being in our bodies uh, has been really tough for very specific reasons because of, you know, the violence and, and the harm and the rejection. Mm-hmm. But even the people who are benefiting from the current system, even the people who do have those, you know, thin, like traditionally fit young bodies that we kind of see as the epitome of -hmm. desirable and sexy right now. Mm -hmm. You know, one, a lot of people in those bodies are, are performing as well, but two, spend so much time being afraid of losing access to that privilege of their body changing Mm-hmm. that there's also not a lot of presence and embodiment because you're just spending so much time chasing the thing that you're afraid of. Right. Yes. And, and never just yeah. being. And I love how you talked about like just really being able to live where you are 
Mm-hmm. You know, what an incredible way <laughs> to access pleasure and what an incredibly radical thing to do to not be living in the should be's and not to be living in the was's and the were's, but to just live in this moment, mm-hmm. in this body, in this pleasure and to allow that to exist is so powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I wish that for more <laughs> of us. I agree. I agree. Yeah. You know, it's important to say that, like, I don't know, probably in the last couple of years, I've learned about asexuality, mm-hmm. and you don't have to be sexual. Nope. <laughs> nope. That's your choice. Yeah. You know, like, I don't want to ne- also necessarily frame it as a choice, um, because for some people, I think that... Um, it's an orientation. Yeah, for sure. Maybe you just go a really long period of time of not having sex, or maybe that's just what you always do. Or, you know, like that's totally fine. Yeah. That's yeah. that's what liberation is about is you getting to decide what happens with your body and reclaiming the places where that may not have always been the case yes yes and thank you for naming that you're right whether you're asexual and or aromantic and that has just always been your experience or it's a place where you are for a period of time Mm -hmm. uh being able to not only decide what happens with your body, but being able to be in relationship with others who really understand and honor that Mm -hmm. is this work. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think any of us who do this work can talk about, which is one of the reasons why you wrote that blog post to to partners, you know, who were like, I'm not attracted to my partner because they're fat. It's like, we can do the work ourselves. And that is important, but we Mm -hmm. can't be, isolated islands Mm -hmm. we have to have community and to be to know it's okay to be asexual but then to have people around you who are constantly trying to get you to not be asexual who are trying to make you sexual is a really shitty horrible sometimes traumatizing experience so it's Mm -hmm. like you know all of us not only doing the work for ourselves but for the people in our lives is crucial Mm mm-hmm you know, we, we need to be able to trust that people trust their bodies and we need to be able to trust that people know themselves and to mm-hmm. honor that without coming in with all of these other stories we have around, well, being in a relationship means I'm owed access to your body. No, that's not how this works. Right. We all need to be unpacking that. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you been to the Tomboy X? Instagram yet because if you haven't you are missing out oh my god so many hot beautiful diverse rich bodies and identities wearing really awesome underwear rainbow undies and boxers and briefs and bralettes and all the things for every every possible experience of gender and body and Oh, God, I love it. I cannot wait to try their bralette because they have fat inclusive sizing in addition to being gender neutral. So Tomboy X is sponsoring this week's episode so generously, and it is time to stop wearing underwear that doesn't make you feel confident 
underwear with more frills than function, underwear your mom got you to femme you up, underwear that's made to fit you and how you see yourself. Bikinis, briefs, boxer briefs, trunks, boy shorts, soft bras, razorbacks in everyday basic colors. Fun seasonal prints and brilliant colors. The Pride Rainbow Edition is fucking amazing. And all the options come in sizes from extra small to 4X. So regardless of where you fall on the size or gender spectrum, Tomboy X offers amazing underwear that any body feels comfortable in. So go to tomboyx.com slash sex gets real and check out their special bundles and pack pricing. Plus, Sex Gets Real listeners get an extra 15% off with code Sex Gets Real. Again, code Sex Gets Real, all one word, for an extra 15% off. Ditch whatever you're wearing for a pair of Tomboy X underwear. Go to tomboyx.com slash sex gets real and let them know that sponsoring this show is an awesome idea because we love them and what they're doing. When I was younger, I had the most thick, lustrous mane. I was such a proud Leo. And now that I'm getting a little bit older, my hair is getting a little bit thinner. And I've been trying to think of what kind of hair vitamins and supplements I want to take that'll help keep my hair healthy as I move towards menopause and all the things that come with that, because I am turning 40 in a couple of weeks, so not that far off. I was so tickled when Sugar Rare Hair agreed to sponsor this week's show so generously because they are just that delicious, vegetarian friendly, allergen free hair vitamins that come in these really yummy little gummy bears. So Sugar Bear Hair is a bestseller on Amazon with thousands of rave reviews. They taste like sweet, delicious candy made with the juice of real berries, but they contain everything you need for stronger and healthier hair. As much vitamin A as four cups of broccoli, as much vitamin C as one cup of cranberries, and as much vitamin B12 as four organic eggs. Sugar Bear hair fans have also found that the nutrients in those vitamins helped their nails and skin get stronger and improve over time as well. So let Sugar Bear hair know that you heard this ad and that you want them to continue supporting this show. Go to sugarbearhair.com slash SGR for beautiful hair and a healthier you. That's sugarbearhair.com slash SGR for sex gets real sugarbearhair.com slash SGR and when you go there it lets them know you heard about it here So let's talk a little bit about your most recent blog post, which is my partner has gained weight, has become body positive, and I'm no longer attracted to them. Now what? (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I've fielded a number of questions recently on the show uh, around this very kind of thing of now Mm -hmm. my partner says they're not attracted to me anymore. And, you know, I've, uh, I've pretty much brung the hammer down. Uh, but I'd love to just hear a little bit about like one, why did you want to write this? And two kind of, where did you land in speaking to these partners who are kind of like my partner is off over here, learning all about fat liberation and Mm. I'm, I'm not feeling sexy anymore. Yeah. So I wrote it because I think as long as I have been in Facebook groups that talk about body positivity and or fat positivity or body liberation or fat liberation, 
I, as long as I have been in this realm, I have always seen people bring it up. Mm -hmm. I've had friends that have brought it up. And so it is, it is something that I have seen happen frequently. And I have seen and heard the reactions of the person who typically is the person that is being viewed as not attractive anymore. Mm -hmm. It's tough. It is really tough. And I have to say that I have not personally dealt with this. Thankfully, somehow. (laughs) (laughs) I've also, I mean, the number of people that I have dated is small. (laughs) compared to other people that I know feel like I need to say that in case anybody is like looking for me to relate on this topic Mm -hmm. from personal experience part so part of why I wanted to write it was because it's so common and it's really unfortunate part of when I was creating the blog was I (laughs) oh marketing um (laughs) I go type in phrases and such into Google to see what comes up as popular key phrase searches. Mm-hmm. It was atrocious. Yeah. It was so atrocious. I'm sorry for yelling in everybody's ears right now, but <laughs> like one of the comments was, oh my gosh, like I don't even know if it's worth saying, but. I'm sure it's not going to be anything new to anybody, so I apologize right now for what's about to come out of my mouth. My wife's fat. Does that mean that, or my wife's fat, she's no longer attractive. Can I go have an affair? Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, that's a, that's, that's a popular searched phrase. (laughs) Huh. kind of feels bad for the blog title because I think that people have really strong reactions to it Mm -hmm. and at the same time I really wanted it to pop up in those freaking searches yes and I added I at least added the now what (laughs) right (laughs) now what Um, I forget what your second second question was well what's the takeaway so okay so the reason why I purposely made it to the partners that are now uncomfortable is because they're the ones with the problem. Yep. <laughs> Why wouldn't I address this article to them? Like, this this is the thing that they need to work on. In having conversations with people o- about this over the years, you know, one of the things that really stuck out to me, because, you know, it's, a, it's semi-hard to muster compassion for people that... <laughs> comments that people are that like tell me that their partners have said yeah like listeners know from my responses (laughs) that this is a true statement (laughs) it's like kind of rage inducing right like i have no idea how i would respond if someone ever said these words to me and i think i would like instantly shut down yeah and that's not the end 
in having these conversations with people, what I realized is that we are going through this whole entire process. Yeah. Oftentimes people are really like once they discover it and they like dip their toe, like you often end up like either walking the stairs in or doing the cannonball, right? Like right. you are going in <laughs> at some point. That means that we are immersing ourselves in images, in information, in other people's stories, in not just reading, but listening to podcasts like your podcast. And so we are doing all of these things that contribute to why we have shifted the paradigm from I'm, I'm fat, so I'm unattractive. Or I have to lose weight to be more attractive. Mm -hmm. You know, like that typically does not happen overnight for people. So what I realized was we have this expectation that partners are just supposed to be on the same page. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons why I put like some people don't talk to their partners about what they're doing because... They're really afraid of what the reaction will be. And so then they're not even aware of like what's happening for us and how we're changing. Like this isn't to judge how anybody, how anybody goes through this process. Right. I think it's just about how they need to unlearn everything too. They have been steeped in diet culture too. They have been, raised in a culture that encourages toxic masculinity and those things like are not just abs they're not like they're just this is not just a heterosexual couples problem right there most articles about couples are written from a heteronormative perspective Mm -hmm. and it's not just a heterosexual problem not at all i mean if i think of communities that have really 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 terrible experiences around like diet culture and Mm -hmm. uh body body politics and desirability i mean Mm -hmm. gay men right yeah i mean like the rampant misogyny and the rampant body policing that happens in gay men's communities Mm -hmm. and like none of us are immune from desirability politics no none of us are immune from the images that tell us who gets to be worthy and sexy i mean we see when we go to the the queer bar who the hotties are (laughs) that are getting hit up over and over again and and you know who's not considered the hotties yep uh so yeah you're right i mean this is definitely not isolated to any single kind of relationship structure or sexuality we're all swimming in this soup of body shame yep yeah and just because this is part of a presentation that i did in june and i'll be doing again in august um you know the same goes for trans people as well and non-binary people or gender non-conforming people um they, we, because I identify as non-binary, are not immune from the body shame soup either. Like, you do a search for trans women or trans men or non-binary people. I don't know how many pictures pop up on the first page, but maybe, like, one of them will be fat. Yeah. 
there's obviously reasons why they are the popular, they are the the most desirable. Yeah. You know, because once you're marginalized in one respect, like good grief if you have to deal with it in another. And so anyone who's not cis is yeah. also affected. Yeah. Absolutely, because if you're trans or non-binary or gender non-conforming in any way, um, there's cultural expectations that you're going to conform to certain things, that you're going to conform to a thin androgyny ideal, or Mm -hmm. that you're going to perform masculinity and Mm -hmm. femininity to the point of, quote unquote, passing by cis standards. Mm -hmm. So, of course, there's all kinds of politics around, like, bodies and desirability, even within trans communities. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, the language of passing in itself is ridiculous, but uh, (laughs) it's... It's something that we use to, to police others' transness and right. non-binariness. And so, of course, we're going to feel shitty if our bodies don't allow us to hit those markers that give us access to more resources. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Saying all of that, the takeaway from the article is, like, I jam-packed it with a ton of resources. Everything from the the links for research the links to other articles the links to podcasts links to people to follow on social media suggest people get help yeah <laughs> because how if we are often seeking therapy or coaching or both or dietitians or whatnot how do we expect other people to deal with it on their own yeah I I hope I haven't heard from any partners yet and I'm really curious really curious I would be really curious to hear how partners feel about the article but I'm hoping that it's read with compassion Mm -hmm. because you know I really I really did not want my like typical rage reaction to come out (laughs) right like that was not the purpose we can't we can't like rage people into change (laughs) um and so you know I think it's important to talk about like emotional labor and doing the emotional labor in your relationship and is it is everybody as invested as, as the other is? Mm-hmm. That needs to be talked about. And obviously, there's going to be the people that are like, my partner's fat and I don't give a fuck. Like, yep. the article's not for them. Nope. <laughs> uh, that's what's popping into my head about the article right now. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just really important for people who are listening, like whether you're the person who is starting to really like get to know your body and maybe asking these questions and maybe you've stopped dieting and you're really trying out intuitive eating and health at every size, the work that has to be done around the like quote unquote sexiness and attractiveness is not yours to do. Mm -hmm. It's your partner's Mm -hmm. like, They have some stuff to unpack. And often in my experience, which is usually what I end up telling listeners too, and we had this conversation a little bit on my Facebook page 
was, you know, often when those comments come up around like, I just don't find you attractive anymore now that you've put some weight on, uh, what's being revealed is lots of other longstanding issues and low-grade resentment. And Mm -hmm. that is the easy way to say, I'm unhappy and I need a thing to blame. Mm -hmm. Yes. And to the partners who are listening who are struggling with not feeling attracted anymore. You know, I think the takeaway is exactly what you said of one, this is your work to do. Because whether you stay in this relationship or not, all future relationships are probably going to have a point where someone's body changes in ways Mm -hmm. that are either unexpected or disappointing Mm -hmm. or frustrating. So like, just do the work now. And (laughs) don't ask your partner to do the labor of educating you. Mm-hmm. Like go do that work yourself, educate yourself mm-hmm. and also leave room for the anger. You know, like your partner's mm-hmm. allowed to be angry that mm-hmm. you, that you're probably going to say insensitive things or ask the wrong questions. Your partner's allowed to be angry at all of the things that they've taken in. And you're allowed to be angry as you start unpacking this too. And mm-hmm. you're allowed to grieve and feel sad. But I love how you're naming the emotional labor there of, of mm-hmm. we can't expect the fat person or the disabled person or the person of color in our life or the trans person mm-hmm. to be the one that does all the educating because that's exhausting and that's caretaking. And I can tell you that kills libido faster than anything. Faster than anything. Right? <laughs> <laughs> So don't do that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And like, I I think too, how can this be a source of fun and connection? You know, it's like, wow, I'm feeling like these really intense feelings. And now I'm realizing something needs to change. So how can we listen to these podcasts together? How can we share some articles with each other? How can we like get outside and move in a way that's about joy and not about weight loss? How can we, you know, how can we use that as a point of growth together rather than of separation and isolation and shame? I, that it just, the last few things that you've said have reminded me of, um, uh, the relationship couples coach uh, that I asked for comment for the article, her name is Gina Senariki. Senariki, yeah. Yeah. She's magic. Um, <laughs> and I just, I loved her suggestion about that, like to find ways to still keep connecting. Yeah. Um, and I love the, like, how do we, how do we unpack this together that Mm -hmm. you just talked about? Yeah. Yeah. That's. And like, I think the the controversial thing in there is like, our partners don't owe us sexiness. Mm. Right. Like Mm -hmm. uh, our partners don't owe it to us to look a certain way that's appealing to us. Our partners Mm -hmm are responsible for feeling good in their bodies and finding delight in their bodies and being able to share what feels pleasurable and what Mm -hmm. they want more of and less of and, and what connection looks like, but they don't owe you sexiness. Now, if they want to do something that feels good for them and you happen to find that sexy, great, Mm -hmm. but that's not the toll that has to be paid in order to be in a healthy, thriving relationship. That's just like the shitty cultural stuff that we get given. Yes. And I think if you pay attention, 
the more that people are in their bodies and are doing what feels good for them, yes, that's what tends to be attractive. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's the you know? thing, right? Like, do you want someone who's checked out all the time and just kind of going through right. the motions because they're miserable in their body and trying to suck in their tummy? Or do you want someone who is like letting it all hang out, but they're like, fucking ride my face and they yes. mean it, you know, I mean, <laughs> let's go for the enthusiasm and the joy. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I know we're about to hop over and have a little bonus chat for Patreon, okay. but to wrap this up, I would love it if you would share with everyone how they can stay in touch with you, find you online, uh, subscribe to your newsletter, your blog. Yeah. So my website is resilientfatgoddess.com and you can find all of the things on there my blog and the coaching and consulting work that I do. I'm also available for speaking gigs. Um, I tend to talk a lot about eating disorders because I think that's a way that also gets interrupted by all of the things that we've been talking about, our relationship to food. And what else do I have on there? Um, I have a friendly guide to Portland that is coming I have a soft goal of trying to have it done before the uh, ASDA conference happens next week. Great. You can find my Facebook page by searching Resilient Fat Goddess, or if you put in the at, um, I changed the E to an X as a like a gender-neutral way of doing goddess. Instagram is Resilient Fat Goddess without the X. And Twitter, I took all the vowels out of Resilient that with fat goddess (laughs) i will have links to all the things in the show notes so they can just click right through and follow you on all the channels and also head over to your website for your blog goodness so thank you so much for being here with me sarah and for diving in i know this is going to give listeners so much to think about And I also want to thank all the listeners for tuning in. Thank you for being here. If you've got comments, questions, anything you want to share, head to sexgetsreal.com. There is a contact form where you can submit anonymously. And Sarah and I are about to go hop over and do a little bonus chat for Patreon supporters. So if you support the show at $3 and above, you get access to weekly bonus content that you can't hear anywhere else in the world. So that's Mm -hmm. at patreon.com slash sexgetsreal. And we will see you over there. Bye. You used to light up like a spark. Now you're blue, treading water in the dark. A huge thanks to the vocal few, the married duo behind the music featured in this week's intro and outro. Find them at vocalfew.com. Head to patreon.com slash sex gets real to support the show and get awesome weekly bonuses. As you look towards the next week, I wonder, what will you do differently that rewrites an old story, revitalizes a stuck relationship, or helps you to connect more deeply with your pleasure? So don't be ashamed. Love is supposed to be.